It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is good? It's your boy, Sosa Kremenges, the host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Locked On Rams podcast. Today's episode is going to be all about training camp. I've got a special guest with me here today, JB Long of the Rams, and we're going to discuss from his bird's eye view pretty much everything that's happened so far. If there's any players that stood out, how the rookies are performing, and just how different things are feeling this year compared to years prior. JB, I greatly appreciate your time. Um, Thank you for coming to chat with me right after practice, which is ideal. How are you feeling? Hey, Sos, uh, congratulations on uh, all the new ventures for 2020. That's awesome to see you thriving personally and professionally, and I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. It's an honor. It's an honor to get you, but um, I guess we'll just begin. And so, like I said, you just came off uh, off the practice field, really watching the guys go. How does it feel this season? Is the tone different of training camp? Obviously, things are going to be a lot different with the whole COVID impact and everything, but like, how does it feel in terms of just being there? You know, it's different in every regard, uh, from the setting itself, being at Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks as opposed to UC Irvine in Orange County, uh, to not having fans, uh, to having three new coordinators, and I think the Rams and Sean McVay wanting as much as possible to keep, you know, whatever Brandon Staley's scheme and concepts are going to be like, look like under wraps, because that might be the greatest advantage they hold going into week one against the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, all of the the COVID protocols from testing to social distancing and everything in between, you know, seeing masks on the field uh, is is something that still, I think, shocks me every day, even though I've become acclimated to it in society at large. Uh, I think really the only thing that that is familiar that is the same is the level of competition and intensity uh, and the work rate that I've become accustomed to now with Sean McVay training camps. And without the benefit of joint practices, without the benefit of preseason games this year, and without the benefit of an in-person off-season program, what I sense is Sean and his coaching staff doing everything they can to make the most of the month that they do have on the grass together with an 80-man roster to be as prepared as possible for what is a grueling schedule ahead and one that starts very, very quickly with the Cowboys and then a nasty road trip back-to-back. Yeah, it's got to be tough. And obviously, uh, it's a very unique circumstance for everyone. And regardless of whether you're a rookie coach, or obviously someone who's been in the NFL for 40 plus years. So with that being said, do you think the teams are going to be able to like train and coach and and the players are going to be able to like learn effectively with how everything's going differently this year? Obviously, everything's going to be different, right? There's gonna be less reps, there's gonna be no preseason games and things like that. Do you think teams are going to be up to speed when when games actually kick off? Uh, that's probably a, a relative phrase, right? And, and we'll have to go on a grade on the curve, I think. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it'll vary even within a team, within a, within a position unit. I mean, I think there's no reason why Jerry Goff and the offense shouldn't be pretty sharp. I mean, they hardly 
uh, play during the preseason as it is. Uh, all the offensive linemen have experience. Uh, really, the only newbies you're breaking in would be Cam Akers and Van Jefferson. So I think relative to their peers, the continuity should put them in a in a competitive advantage. You know, perhaps the opposite on defense, where you're not only dealing with uh, a new coordinator, a new scheme, but also a lot of personnel turnover, particularly at linebacker. So, you know, I, I think it'll be a mixed bag, but I do think uh, what you've heard from just about every facility across the National Football League uh, about winning the offseason through the virtual program and through what time you do have in person here in August uh, is going to be a very real deal. And even watching Hard Knocks this week and off the top of the show, Sean McVay stressing you know, that he, what he didn't like were the self-inflicted wounds and the pre-snap penalties. I mean, those are the types of things that could very well decide who gets off to a three and one start and who gets off to a one and three start. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, definitely something to watch for me to predict it here in the middle of August uh, would, would probably be uninformed, but I do trust uh, McVay and, and his coaching staff to put the Rams in a competitive uh, advantage rather than a disadvantage. Yeah, that's a really good point too. Like you said, uh, offensively, there's, there wasn't much turnover, obviously with the, the personnel and everything like that. And obviously the schemes are going to remain the same with McVay being there now for three years. So they should be able to get off to a relatively quick start and there's going to be less hiccups for them than there is for the defense, obviously. But coming up in just a moment, JB and I are going to discuss which players may be standing out throughout the first few days of padded practices, as well as which positional groups look to be performing well as a cohesive unit. Come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MVP. You can find the Locked On Rams page at Locked On Rams. And you can find JB at JB underscore long. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS. I'd like to think my word holds a lot of weight as I've lost over 150 pounds over the last 20 months. With that being the case, I've been on the lookout for the perfect protein bar and I've finally stumbled upon one called the Built Bar. You need to check them out. They're absolutely delicious. They've got 18 different flavors, so you can never really get too bored. The bars are also healthy. They're low calorie. They're low in sugar. They got 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber, and they even work for those on the keto diet. You even get a free cooler with your first purchase while the supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off all orders. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Welcome back. So in the first segment, we touched upon training camp just a bit, um, but now we're really going to delve into the meat and the potatoes. We're going to be talking about which specific players may be performing well and in what areas they're standing out. So 
As I mentioned earlier, JB's obviously got a bird's eye view of practice. Um, have there been any players in particular that have stood out through the first few days of practice? Well, Sosa, first let me say congratulations on all the uh, fitness accomplishments, and I may need some of those protein bars myself. I don't know that I have 150 to lose, but I would sure like to be down 15 at least before uh, before we kick off against the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there have been a lot of individuals who I would probably name drop here, and you cut me off when you've had enough. But you know, on the offensive line, I'm intrigued by the fact that Joe Nopum coming off. Uh, his injury is back in there at left guard and that they seem to feel like no boom at left and Austin Corbett at right give them the best guard combination to complement Whitworth and Havenstein at tackles and Blythe at center. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think uh, moving back to quarterback, to me, uh, John Wolford has been a clear number two. And there's a pretty steep drop off between the looks and the opportunities that he's getting uh, versus the undrafted three and four who the Rams have in camp. And I thought that the circumstances being as they are this year, uh, this might be the year where Sean McVay and the Rams do try to keep three quarterbacks uh, and maybe supplement the fact that they don't have an NFL snap behind Jared Goff in camp. Uh, conversely, I think it's just the opposite. I think they're pouring all the reps into Goff and Wolford uh, mm-hmm. and going with those two. And, Man, Wolford has a beautiful quick release. Uh, he throws a ball that has some RPMs on it, super tight, super accurate, and I can see why uh, they look to him as someone who could, could keep them on track if something were to happen to Jared. At, at receiver, you know, I, I feel like Van Jefferson has been um, very productive, very impressive, but mm-hmm. also very clearly fourth behind Josh Reynolds. I guess I'm not surprised that you know, the pecking order is, is almost too experienced and too accomplishment so far behind Cup and, and Woods. Uh, Josh running with the ones in the 11 personnel packages. And Van, you know, I don't, want, I don't know whether he's going to be a nice insurance policy on any of those top three or someone, you know, who has a portion of the route tree that he runs particularly well and has assignments on game day and, and packages and targets specifically for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think especially with the likelihood that they keep four tight ends, with B-Hop and with Munt, this could be a year where the Rams actually need less at wide receiver. Like, they might not go beyond five in terms of the roster that they carry at wide receiver uh, for those very reasons. Right. At running back, uh, probably not surprised that it's Malcolm leading the way, but I think, you know, the, the twos would be pretty evenly split between Akers and Henderson, who are both getting a healthy dose. And I think, you know, you'll, you'll see early and often Standing out on defense, I mean, it's hard not to notice physically um, Leonard Floyd first and foremost and Terrell Lewis not far behind. I mean, these guys really tower over the defensive huddle and are super impressive physically. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is is obviously one of a kind and seems to be poised for uh, a contract to your performance if they don't get something done before the 2020 season. Yeah. At safety, uh, John Johnson really seems to be the defensive leader. I mean, he seems to be Eric Weddle 2.0 in terms of the way that he's calling the defense and getting things in order and the confidence and the trust they've placed in him. Uh, Darius Williams and Troy Hill seem to have picked up right where they left off last year in terms of the momentum that they've built at corner opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ramsey and, and perhaps validating the choice that the Rams made to let a very good uh, nickel in the Kel Roby Coleman go 
in free agency this year. So I know I'm kind of rambling and covering a lot of position groups in one fell swoop, but those are some of the names who are, are top of mind. And I would just add at middle linebacker, kind of as I thought it would be, you know, Micah Kaiser and Traven Howard combining in base to try and offset what the Rams lost in Corey Littleton. Yeah, I love it. I love it. A couple of those guys that you pointed out were guys that I was really high on and I would have loved to watch, obviously, performing in preseason because I think in the past uh, that may have been the way that they made the roster for guys like um, John Wolford and, and maybe even Traven Howard. Those are guys that I expected to really step up this year and I was excited to watch. But unfortunately, we're not going to get that chance. But um, it sounds as if maybe maybe a guy like Howard could start in base, which would be ideal because I think he his skill set probably – projects the best in terms of replacing Littleton. But um, you touched upon a few of the rookies. Have you been able to catch anything from a guy like Terrell Burgess? Yeah, yeah. Why don't we even kind of dive into the rookies specifically? Because I think they all bear mentioning, and we can even take them in the order in which they're drafted, if you like. I yeah. mean, Akers, um, I could see why they fell in love with Akers, both in terms of his disposition, in terms of his skill set, even in terms of the fact that he's got a quarterback background and in a truncated offseason program, let's face it, it's been very difficult for young running backs to get on the field for Sean McVay in, in the three seasons we've seen in Los Angeles. And part of that is the fact that you had a, an all-pro and a three-down back in Todd Gurley, you know, blocking their way. But mm-hmm. a lot of it, I think, has to do with trust and pass protection and understanding of the scheme. I think Akers uh, is, is really well-situated um, to overachieve in that regard. Uh, Van Jefferson, we touched on a little bit already. I mean, Lewis, I think, is going to have his opportunities, especially in known passing situations, to get after the quarterback. Uh, the safeties is where I think it gets really, really intriguing because Taylor Rapp being down for the first part of padded practice has created this beautiful lane to playing time for the two drafted safeties. And I think Terrell Burgess was already going to have that opportunity because of his versatility and the way that they envisioned him as a Swiss army knife in the back end who can cover a lot of roles and match up with a lot of different opponents. Yeah. But Jordan Fuller, you Jordan Fuller, I don't think would be much of a stretch to call him the breakout star of training camp so far, at least in the rookie class. And I think he more than any other is having the chance to kind of play that that deep middle safety and pair with John Johnson and really get in sync with him. And, you know, you, you hear about the carryover from big time Saturday programs into Sunday. He looks the part. I mean, you can tell he played for Ohio state and I believe the Rams scouting department thinks they got a steal in Jordan Fuller. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a, if it's a situation almost akin to what the Rams experienced with David Edwards and Bobby Evans, Mm-hmm. Uh, on the offensive line last year where Evans was the, the higher drafted player, but it was Edwards who kind of caught the eyes of the coaching staff and earned his opportunity first, which mm-hmm. is not to say that they should have been drafted any differently or that their careers will, will kind of parallel from there. It's just to say that I wouldn't be surprised um, to see Fuller contribute. And especially if he can have a role on special teams, hope that Taylor Rapp is healthy, hope that the Rams can can play the way they drew it up with Johnson and Rapp as the first two. But I would be stunned if the Rams are not in depth early and often this season, understanding that there's a steep learning curve, as we saw with Taylor Rapp, doing it on Sundays for the first time as a rookie. 
Yeah. Uh, if there's, I, I know it's obviously completely unique and, and you can't really state it this way, but if there's any position that the Rams have had success with and, and that general manager, Les Need, has had success finding, it's been the safety position. So that wouldn't shock me at all if Jordan Fuller does uh, come something more than what his draft status uh, suggested. But coming up when we return, JB and I will discuss the new coaching staff of the Rams and how they're adapting to LA, as well as how the players are taking to their new coaching styles. Make sure to check back on Monday's episode when, we, when guest Steve Palazzolo discusses the offensive line, how their performance could be key in 2020, and more. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. We're now going to discuss the the coaching staff. Obviously, the Rams made a couple of moves along the coaching staff more than most years, and something that would probably look like if a whole coaching staff was being uh, basically built. The Rams got a new offensive coordinator. They got a new defensive coordinator as well, as well as new special teams coordinator. They went new all across the board. They also got some new um, positional coaches like the new running back coach and a new strength and conditioning coach. But it's going to be a weird situation, obviously, with the whole COVID thing and just being able to not being able to coach maybe how they prefer. But how are all the coaches adapting to their new roles? Do you... Uh, does any one of them stand out in, in terms of how their approach is or how their teaching style is? Well, this is an interesting time of year to be kind of be evaluating that question, right? Because in professional sports in the NFL, what's new is always better. And mm-hmm. it remains to be seen on Sundays whether that's actually the case. I think it's a fairly gigantic assumption to think that you're just going to, you know, trade Wade Phillips out for a first-time defensive play caller and coordinator and Brandon Staley and just accelerate into the future. I think there's a good chance that happens. I'm just not willing, you know, in the middle of training camp to predict such a thing, mm-hmm. um, especially given the, the hurdles that have been put up in front of Staley in terms of installing uh, and initiating his system. That being said, uh, just to take a step back, so rare is the opportunity and the occasion for any head coach to survive into year four in the National Football League, especially not a first-time head coach, especially not the youngest head coach in NFL history like Sean McVay Mm -hmm. was. This is a fairly unique circumstance for him to arrive at year four in extremely good standing, job security, a coach of the year honor, an NFC championship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm often reminded because I cover college football as well. The NFL is not college football where if you write a check, you can buy a coach out and bring him to join your staff. You know, right. these, these contracts are solid in the coaching ranks in professional football. And I think that Sean has taken a moment, has, has taken this year three to year four opportunity to say, okay, how do I want to mold my coaching staff in a way that maybe – I wouldn't have thought of or was not able to back in 2017 when I was first hired. And we all know what a wise choice it was for him to retain Bones Fossil on special teams, to bring in Wade Phillips uh, and his wealth of knowledge to compliment Sean as he went through it the first time. Likewise for Joe Barry and so many of these other uh, great coaches, LaFleur, Olsen, et cetera, uh, who have gone on to other teams and even more success. So uh, 
I'm filibustering a little bit, Sosa, in that I don't want to predict that everything will just be uh, even better than it has for three winning seasons under Sean McVay. But mm-hmm. I do think internally, do the Rams feel like they've got a shot to find the Sean McVay of defense in Brandon Staley? Yeah, I think the early returns on that are pretty good. Does Jared Goff feel like, you know, in Kevin O'Connell, he's got um, yet another voice in his head, but one that will help him accomplish his goals in year four of Sean McVay's system? Yeah, again, they're saying all the, the right things. Special teams, uh, far from, from my area of expertise, and it's very difficult to evaluate in an 80-man um, roster and training camp, right? I think mm-hmm. a lot of what we see on special teams is going to be very contingent on who wins the kicking competition, what does that game day 46, now 48-man roster look like, and how do they, they kind of shape their, their units, their kicking units around the roster that they're going to have for September the 13th against the Cowboys. Yeah. I think um, that's yeah, that's very insightful for sure. And uh, I mean, one of the one of the key factors to being a good coach is just being able to delegate tasks. And uh, obviously, I think Sean McVay has proven that he's been able to do that over the course of his career so far. And it remains to be seen how uh, these new coaches come in and, and kind of adapt and, and change their ways and their styles compared to what was there before. But I do believe that um, just just knowing. That sometimes taking a chance and and Sean McVay has proven that that oftentimes that that can pay off in a big way. But have you noticed uh, that the players how how they appear to be taking on to their new coaches' uh, coaching styles or anything? Yeah, again, they're saying all the right things, all the positive things. But uh, truth be told, what are they supposed to say? That they're disgruntled and they want it back <laughs> the way it was? Like that's just right. not the progression of of uh, player commentary or of athletics in general. But you know. Sometimes change for change's sake does kind of breathe fresh air into a unit um, or a side of the football um, or even an, an organization. And I'm not saying the Rams needed that after a nine-win campaign, but that's kind of how it played out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, given, given all the other uh, challenging realities that we're looking at as a society and, and as an organization and as a league, uh, you can just you can just add this into the mix, and ultimately the proof will be in the pudding uh, on, on Sunday. And you know, as Les Snead uh, likes to say, the enemy will weigh in on that as well, right? Because I think the Rams can be better this year and not get better results. Because if mm-hmm. you look at the teams around them, especially the ones in the division, I think there's an argument to be made that Seattle, San Francisco, and Arizona all took a good step forward this off season as well. So. Um, you know, I can't wait to see, I guess, is, is what I'm arriving at as my answer, that everything seems to be in good order. The spirit seems to be high uh, morale and, and everything seems to be right where it should be for a team that has a chance to go compete for another NFC West title. Yeah, absolutely. Rams Nation, don't forget to check back in with us on Monday to hear all about the state of the roster. We're going to delve deep into the offensive line and the remainder of the offense as well as the rest of the roster. And we're going to be talking about the keys to succeed for the Rams in 2020. Just a reminder, don't forget to check in with us on Twitter. You can find me at QB's MVP. You can find JB at JB underscore long, and you can find the Locked On Rams page at Locked On Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more. JB, we greatly appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. We're going to have to do it again sometime. All right, so let's go get him this season. Rooting for you, man. Absolutely, buddy. Thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it.
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.